Is it on already? Live stream? We're good? Okay. Continuing on. <laughs> Hi, Phoebe. We'll, we'll continue with um, Arise, but uh, it's the last song, I think, on the... We'll just do the um, court bridge and chorus. We lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. We lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. We lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. We lift you up. We lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. We lift, we lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. We lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up on our praises. Arise, arise, take your place, be on our praise, arise, King of kings, holy God, as we sing, arise, take your place, be enthroned, on our praise, arise, King of kings, holy 
lifted up, be lifted up on our praises. Be lifted up, be lifted up, be lifted up on our praises. Be lifted up, be lifted up, be lifted up on our Father, there's a major shift you want to bring about today. Even as I was planning and and asking you, like, what do you have for today? It was like, continual blank. And what that just told me was, Father, you're you're wanting to give us a shift. You're wanting to show and reposition us for what's to come in the coming months. You've given us so much over the year. And every, it's like, don't sit on what has already been spoken. Keep asking, keep coming to me. So Holy Spirit, we, even what Jacob was saying was, your presence is here. Your spirit is alive and well within us. Your spirit is alive and well within us. Hallelujah. Your spirit is alive and well in us. So all things are possible. Holy Spirit, we just are letting you know that our ears are tuned to you, our hearts are turned to you. We want to open our eyes, our ears, everything we have. We want to have our eyes on you, our ears on you, our hearts on you, everything we have so that we don't miss, we don't miss a thing. We don't miss a thing. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. 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 We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. 
Oh, we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, oh, pour your spirit out. Cause we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit Power of your presence, pour your spirit out, 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 pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, 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 pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Oh, pour your spirit out. 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 Pour your spirit Give him praise for he is worthy. 
Nobody else shall take away from that. I come against every spirit that opposes the absolute kingship of Jesus. And I say, out with you, for he alone is king. He shares his face with no other. Hebrews Shafir Shibra We declare him alone as Lord. Jesus Christ alone as Lord. There might be other gods. Start with a small D. There is only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. And we declare his Lordship. Just one thing, Jane. Guys, guys, please, I beg you, not because I'm trying to hype you up, not because I'm trying to rara you up. At this present moment, in a time like this, if you don't open your mouth and actually give audible praise, we lose as a church, not even for your sake, for the sake of what God is doing in this present moment. Just trust me on this one and make sure that each of us opens our mouths and begins to give him actual audible praise. Music or no music, because suddenly it is important at this particular moment to declare Christ alone as Lord. Christ alone as Lord. Jesus Christ, you alone are Lord. We don't have to sing it, but we will open our mouths and declare it. That you, Jesus Christ, are Lord. That you are the only God. You are the only God. You are alone are Lord. There is no salvation aside from you. That there is no salvation aside from Jesus Christ. That he is the Savior and the Lord. He is the creator of the universe. He is not created. He is absolute creator. He is God. He is nothing less. No teacher, no prophet. First and foremost, Jesus Christ is God. And we declare that with our mouths right now. It is important to establish that right now in our presence in this city, in the hearing of people that are listening right now, that Jesus Christ is actually Lord God Almighty. This is what we are saying. And we are saying it openly. We are saying it openly. This cannot be taken away from us. We are saying it openly. And as you hear me, if you can't agree with that, then know that it is not possible for you to be a Christian unless Jesus Christ is absolutely Lord and the God of the universe. Otherwise, you cannot be a Christian. That is how critical this is and that is why we are declaring it. So that there be a division between black and white. Between light and dark. There's an absoluteness about our faith that must be declared. Because it's getting so wishy-washy that sometimes if you don't say it, people don't hear it. There's nothing neutral about this. Jesus Christ is God. He's the Lord of Lords and there is no other. And there is salvation under no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. And let that be known very clearly today. There's no grey ground when it comes to this, eh? There isn't. Like you, Jesus, risen and 
by the name, by the name of Jesus. For thou, O Lord, art on high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all God. Thou, O Lord, art on high, Jesus, above all the Exalted, oh Jesus. We lift your name on high, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We exalt you, King of Kings. We exalt you, King of you, rescued him from the very snares of death. Like Jane was saying, Father, you want to shift things? You're welcome. This is your house. This is your kingdom. You paid a price for this. Do what you want by your spirit. Hello. Hello. Well, <clears throat> good morning. Hi. <laughs> so, um, I'm here to share my uh, testimony, how God really healed me from COVID. <coughs> so, Whoa. maybe I was exalting. Okay. <coughs> so, um, as you know, I went to India and then I was there for 10 months. Um, uh, this happened in the month of May. So, starting from March onwards, um, uh, in India, the second wave, the COVID second wave, really started to affect so many people. So we were praying, and then God really led us to start COVID ministry. So what we were doing was basically, it has three wings. The first one, we were helping people to not to get COVID. <coughs> so 
because we have a sewing factory, we started to make masks. We started to do about 40,000 masks and then start to give it to people. And, and uh, with the help of uh, Kiruba, who is in uh, uh, Chennai, so she suggested some medicine. We started to buy and then we started to give those medicine immunity boosters to people in the villages. So we were doing that. And the next wing was we were helping people who got COVID. So we were driving people to hospitals, but then the hospitals were all full. So we had to wait in lines and hoping that someone would die in the hospital so that they get the bed, right? So that was the situation um, in India. But then we gathered uh, some of the, uh, we connected with some of the doctors and the nurses that we know. We created a WhatsApp group and uh, we started to uh, help people who got COVID uh, by keeping them in the churches or keeping them at their homes um, and helping them uh, from the uh, consulting from these doctors and the nurses. So we were helping uh, people who got COVID. So basically I spent most of my time there too because I was driving people from hospital to hospital. The many of the people that I drove were actually pregnant ladies because hospitals would not take them because it's risky even for the hospitals. So, so I was driving hundreds of kilometers from hospital to hospital, hoping that there is a bed for the pregnant ladies, right? And then in the meanwhile, while driving, so there was beautiful conversations about God and the power of healing and then how God can come through. And we drive to different hospitals and then there were no beds available. So again, we bring them back to either the, to the church or to, the, to their homes and then we keep them and then we start to uh, help in the every possible Way, possible way that we could. So we were doing that. And then the third wing, uh, which is my favorite, was because, because most of the people who got COVID from our ministry was, uh, uh, they were actually people who go out and work. And they're the breadwinners. And then when people die of COVID, it's like the entire family lost family income. So that's where I was spending most of the time asking Father for his guidance and then to meet these families and then how we can actually help them. So we, we helped uh, some people with the uh, small little shops where we, we, uh, we bought some groceries so that they can actually resell them and then start their family. We took so many kids and then we started to pay tuition fee and school fee for them. And we started to help people start their small businesses like uh, buying, uh, pulling carts so that they can uh, sell vegetables. So somehow, whatever they were doing but then we stepped in and then we started to help them so these were the three ministries that we were doing so we were so busy in fact in fact uh, as you know my sister she got two babies and I couldn't even go home because my parents are at a risky age level and then we have kids at home so uh, so I was running around with our team and then doing everything so while this was happening we were protecting ourselves everything was okay but on May 30th what we did was um, we had our employee day where all of our Sunday school teachers and everybody came together and then we want to pray for the whole day we were doing. But then the night before, I challenged them to cook more meals so that we can pack the food and give that food to street people because there are not many people on the street. Uh, but these street beggars, now they don't have anyone to go and then ask for food. So now they are going hungry. So we made about 200 packets of uh, uh, biryani uh, and then we started to give it to them. The next day, I was down with fever. So I was down with fever, uh, fever like high fever, one at five degrees centigrade. So I was down with fever uh, immediately. So we thought, okay, maybe COVID. So I went for COVID testing and then results came as negative. I went for uh, viral fever testing and then all the testing that, all the tests that they could do on me, they did and all the results came as negative. 
So it's just a fever, right? So it was coming and then going. So when it comes, it's like a high fever. So I was down for almost a week. So um, everybody, my sister, I think everyone loves me, so they want... Uh, they tried every medicine that they know on me. So for seven days, almost like a week, so they tried every medicine and nothing was working on me. But then on the eighth day, I remember I woke up and then I started to pray. And then that's when I, re I heard a voice saying, go for a CT scan, the chest uh, CT scan. Um, so we've decided uh, to go for a, a CT scan. And then I went to the CT scan. I was pretty sure it was not COVID. So I was waiting for the results. We were hanging out and, and we were having some fun. But then the results came. And then the guy said, 60% uh, of your lungs are already filled with virus. So you should be ad admitted to the hospital right away. So then I texted Jacob, and then Jacob right away, uh, I texted Jacob and uh, Kiruba, who, who is a doctor in Chennai. So I texted both of them, and then they, both of them suggested me to go to city and then uh, get admitted to, into a hospital. So um, we were coming from the uh, test results. It was about a 40 minute journey. So when we were coming, suddenly that's when um, uh, my oxygen level, my pulse level started to go down from 96 to 89. So I was in the car and then I, I couldn't even breathe properly. So we came home, I couldn't even take steps. Uh, I was, it was so hard, my breath was so shallow. Um, I couldn't even breathe completely into my lungs. And all of this happened all of a sudden, right? Because remember, before the test reels, I was having fun. We were like going for dinners and then going for shopping because I was pretty sure because uh, the test results came as negative before. So, and all of a sudden, this started to happen. So I came home and within an hour, my pulse went so down. Uh, my dad called the ambulance that has oxygen uh, facility in it. So I was was put in the, into the ambulance and then we drove for almost two hours to the city uh, to go into this hospital. So we went to the hospital, uh, I was, uh, we went to the hospitals, uh, I couldn't even walk from the ambulance to the entrance of the hospital. So I took five steps and then I sat down, I'm like, I couldn't even breathe, I was sweating, it was like, uh, it was so hard for me to breathe. Um, um, so finally I made, I made myself uh, to appear at the reception and then my parents were talking to the guy and we found that uh, there were no beds available in the hospital. So what do we do? So I was there and then I couldn't even breathe properly. So finally, uh, with some recommendation, they found that there's a guy who's gonna, who's gonna uh, leave the hospital who's going to be discharged in 20 minutes. So I was waiting there for 20 minutes, uh, struggling to breathe. Um, and then after 20 minutes, we got into the hospital. So we got the bed. Um, so then they started to uh, do medication right away. So basically, they asked me all the medicine that they used on my body. And then they were surprised that we had a pharmacy at home. So because they had so, that's a, that's a long list. So <coughs> I was taken into this uh, COVID uh, hospital and nobody was allowed, right? No visitor was allowed because it's all full of uh, viral load. Um, so I was in the hospital. Um, basically, my mindset at the time was like, oh, okay, Father, if you want to take me, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Mm, you know, uh, it's okay. If you want to take me, that's fine. I'm ready. So basically, I was thinking like that. Um, the, so the first night, what happened was, uh, um, the first night they gave me all the viral load, um, they gave me all the medicine that they need to give, and then I was on the bed, um, and then in the middle of the night, um, I heard a voice from the next door, uh, and this guy was screaming out, Saroja, Saroja, Saroja. Uh, I hope that's his wife's name. So he was screaming out, <laughs> out loud, and... Uh, 
And after 10 minutes, uh, the voice stopped, right? So I thought maybe he went to uh, bed. Then um, I was close to the door, so I can see the hallway. So after about 15 minutes, then the, you, uh, I saw 10, 15 nurses, they, they were coming out of the room. And with this dead body, the, the body was packed and then zipped, and then everybody was following the body, right? So um, that's when I first, uh, I think that's when I first started to pray. So I asked Father, uh, right away when I saw that, I asked Father, who are you here? That question came out to me, out of me. So I said, I said, who are you here, Father? Then I heard a voice saying, I am the door. Then I started to pray, Jesus, if you are the door and you are a life giver, so whoever enters into this hospital, I don't know why I was brought here, but whoever enters through this door, into this hospital. They should be healed and then they should be go gone home alive. So I started to pray that. And then when before I left the hospital, I asked the nurse uh, uh, how many people died in the hospital in the, f in the last five days. And then she said, she said surprisingly, none. It's, it's amazing. So I started to pray from that, uh, from that day onwards. Then I have a neighbor who is Anil. Uh, he knows the Lord, but he was running away. But then slowly I started to start a, started a conversation with him. And God had words for him because I, God spoke to me to tell him that God is calling him for full-time ministry. And then he has to leave his work um, and do full-time ministry because God is going to heal him and he's going to go home uh, safely. And then that guy started to weep because that's the calling that God gave him about 16 years ago. But he's running, from, uh, running away from that. So I started to build a relationship with him. And there is one more lady in front of uh, us. And then we started to, we, every day we start to pray. And then as we were praying, and then she started to join. And then we start to speak about Jesus Christ. And then there is one more lady. So we were four people out of 14 people in the same room. Four people. Every day we wake up and then I read Psalm out loud. And then, and then I hope everybody was listening. But we were listening. And then, and then I play a hymn or a song on, from YouTube. And then we sing along, right? It was such a beautiful, beautiful uh, moment. Um, uh, but then deep down inside, my heart was like, oh, okay, Abba, if you want to take me, that's fine. I'm ready. So there was the mindset, right? I, was, I started to accept it. Uh, maybe this is the way God wants to take me home. Um, so on the fourth day, third day night, I guess third day, fourth day, um, the senior doctor came for visiting. Um, uh, he, he does rounds only once a day. Uh, it was about, about evening. So I was lying on my bed. I did not open my eyes, but I can hear what's going on. So the guy came, and then they were checking all the, all the medication and the history and then what happened and everything. And the guy started to say, the junior doctor, doctor was telling him, uh, they removed my oxygen. Uh, and then they, they looked at the, uh, the pulse and then said it went down to 74. So if I don't have, I was on oxygen for all of those days, right? So if I, if I remove my oxygen, then it was going down to 74. And the junior doctor was telling the guy, is, uh, telling the doctor was like, um, uh, his body is not res responding. He said, uh, we are doing all the procedure. We are following every procedure. But then Jeevan's body is not responding to the medicine. Um, his pulse was 86 when he first came, but now it went to down, down to 74, even though we are using all the, all the medication. So, um, uh, so the doctor said, uh, so it's the same case with the previous guy. Previous guy died uh, in the same way. Uh, and then said, um, uh, the doctor said, I think we should start informing the family uh, that this body is not responding. Uh, we did everything we could. So I guess um, I, I couldn't remember. So they, they, they called my dad up, and then they were trying to find a different 
different medication that was available, uh, but if you want to try that, um, you need uh, approval from the government because it's still under trial. So the doctor said that's the only way, that's the only last chance we could try on this body and then see it's a 50-50 chances, we're not sure, but we need government's approval to use that. So they were talking to my dad and, and I can listen all of that, right? Um, so so my, dad, my dad and then even the, even the junior doctor, because I started to build good relationship with him. So even that guy was so sad, right? So uh, I can hear the sadness in his voice, it's like, oh, this guy, it's like, uh, not responding at all so we tried everything we did uh, all of our processes but nothing was working out so they left when once they left um, after finishing all the rounds once they left um, then I sat up I sat up and then uh, um, I sat up uh, one thing that came to my mind was Genesis chapter 32 where Jacob wrestled with the God uh, the whole night so I sat up I started to pray. I started to pray saying, Father, um, uh, I'm your son. You call me. Uh, you saved me from death many times. And uh, this is not the way it should be. So I sat up and then I started to pray. Basically, I started to ask Father. It's like, it's like no, this is, not, this is not you. This is not from you. Why should I accept it? So I command. So I come against this one. So um, uh, I started to pray until 4 o'clock. The whole night I was praying. Basically, I, I also took my phone and then I started to write. Um, I felt like I should write a letter. So I, I started to write a letter saying, Okay, enemy, you have been tormenting for the past eight days. This is the eighth day. So in two years, I pray that eight countries to be opened in Jesus' name. So I started to pray all the... I started to... Uh, I wrote about 11 points that how the enemy should repay me because what he has tried to steal from my life so he stole eight days of my life eight days of work eight days of my relationship with my family and um, my my main worry was at the time that if I die from the hospital my mom wouldn't have good opportunity to send me off because if I die then they, they take the body uh, it's a government's responsibility to dispose the body so my mom wouldn't even have a chance to see me right so then I'm like no about this is this is not the way it should be so I started to write down all the points and and um, and four o'clock 4 a.m. I slept um, I woke up about 7.38, I woke up, um, and then my pulse started to come up, uh, everything started to come up, it was so quick, and even the, even the junior doctor, he was so shocked. So, um, so the next day, so the next day they gave me medication, and then the day after, I asked the senior doctor, I said, can I go home tomorrow? And the doctor said, no. It's a course of 14 days. You must stay here for 14 days because there's a procedure that we follow. And the last three days, we do all the tests. And then if you're free of COVID, and if, you're sure, if we are sure that you don't carry COVID and you don't affect other people, then that's when you leave the hospital. I said, sure, I can stay all of those days, but I just want to drop my thought. I want to leave tomorrow if possible. And the guy said, no. So they left. But then this junior doctor, he came back to me, and then he said, um, I'll talk to the senior doctor. So I don't know what happened. Uh, in two hours, some people came, and then they did all the uh, CT scan and the testing and everything. And uh, the next day, at 11 o'clock, they told me, uh, they gave me a huge file of all the test results and then said, you're free, you can go home. But then the problem was, <laughs> praise God. But then my mom and dad, they live about two hours away. So I called them up, and then I said, OK, they want me to go home. And then my mom started to cry. Thought that, okay, she thought that maybe everything failed, so this is the last day. 
my, my dad and my mom, they wouldn't believe. And I'm like, no, they, I'm discharged. I'm completely healed. They were like, no, you still have six more days to stay there. <laughs> so finally, they came after three hours. So I went home. So, yeah. Guys, one of the things I realized listening to Jeevan's stories, it's so hard to walk this alone. Huh? We're talking about a guy like Jeevan who knows about life and death and healing. And yet when he's alone there, he's even entertaining thoughts of, uh, okay, if you want to take me right now, I'll go. This is when you suddenly r would desire that you have people around you who can remind you of the promises of God that are still uh, waiting to be completed, who can come alongside. It's not that his parents weren't there or his uh, brothers and sisters weren't there. But the thing is, there's something to belong to a group of people who can do that for you, eh? Whenever you're sick, whenever you're really down, immediately establish connections with, initially, some of the guys you know really well, and then um, some of the leaders of the church and the rest of the church. A three-second rule, it's okay. And so, um, Sheldon doesn't believe in the three-second rule, huh? Um, so, uh, uh, I mean, uh, on one hand, I'm so grateful that uh, God didn't agree with Jeevan and um, take him home because I'd have lost out on a lot of advantages that I get from him being around. It's completely selfish motives. But on the other hand, it just shows how easy it is, even for someone who is strong in faith, to begin to say, okay, it's time to go. So just remember that, eh? That's one of the things we need to remember. And then for him to go from 74 to being discharged, that's remarkable. Yeah. Any questions that you want to ask, Stephen? Cool. Um, I want to introduce uh, the masked bandits from Brazil. Come. Come. Come, Isaac. Come, Clara. Come, Miguel. Olivia, their third, uh, um, uh, um, the oldest child, has to quarantine when you come from uh, uh, any other nation because she's 13 and she's not vaccinated. So Miguel's wife, Danny, had to stay back uh, to take care of her. Uh, till the quarantine is complete, she can't join us, so Danny was there. Uh, Clara, you can take off your mask too. Isaac, you can take off your mask. Ladies and gentlemen, Miguel, Clara, Dai, Isaac. So, uh, Isaac is something else. Uh, he'll get used to us very quickly. He'll uh, speak English better than uh, me and Jeevan for sure. Clara will too. And uh, Miguel is already there. So, uh, you want to say something, Miguel? I'll let you guys say it. Thank you for your welcoming. We we are very happy in be here. Um, uh, uh, I I think it's the the first thing that I. The mic is on. Something with the volume, man. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And uh, we we have a, a long story. But uh, the short one <laughs> that God calls us to come here and hear your voice 
and, and know what God wants to us the next years. So uh, I'm a Presbyterian pastor since uh, 2004. Um, I'm working for the church since 2000, and um, I have a lot of stories in the middle of this time. The, the last ministry uh, was in the downtown of Sao Paulo. It's a big city in Brazil. And in this place, we worked with uh, people who, uh, who lives in the street and uh, addicted in, in drugs and um, sons of uh, prostitutes there. And uh, it was a, a very difficult ministry in this last eight years. Uh, and and uh, in last year, our energy was drawn and we need to uh, change. We need to uh, recover to an, uh, another ministry. And uh, God became become to move our hearts uh, to a new uh, season. And uh, God became became to press us in the wall, uh, take off some things, and, and um, saying to us that we need to change. In, in the first time, I, I thought that uh, this change was just a, a flee, a, 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 a trying, uh, I'm, I'm trying to flee, I, I don't know if, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, um, in a moment, um, especially when when I I heard uh, um, one one more time what I I was talking with Jacob when I were here in 2019, because my my phone number I don't know uh, how, my but my phone number uh, record all our conversation conversation. And uh, I I, look, uh, I heard again, and, and in that moment, God said to me very uh, uh, clear uh, with uh, clarity uh, that we need to go, and there they will show us what we need to do. And uh, in in that moment, uh, I, I I'm trying to think about how can we go to Vancouver, and um, I, I heard about a, a faculty of theology here, and I, I had just two days to apply my, to, to my mastering degree here, and um, in, in these two days I, I wrote articles and, and a lot of things to, to my application. And in the middle of, of it, uh, one, one uh, sir of my church died, and, and I need to go to another city to do the funeral. And, and it's a it's crazy moment for me. And uh, I applied in, in one Monday. Thir uh, next day, we are so uh, sure, so secure that God uh, was calling us that we uh, begins to sell everything in in our home and in two days we we sold all our our, our house uh, <laughs> everything in, in our home 
And uh, the next week, uh, I I goes to my my uh, the house of my sister, my brother-in-law, and we stay there uh, in in this moment. I. I uh, continue, uh, I, 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 I stayed, stayed there till you came here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and I uh, was um, ministering and with my job in in the McKinsey University, that is a university in Sao Paulo, and and, and continuing um, working there. And just um, two two weeks uh, after that, I received the 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 response. Uh, response uh, of uh, faculty, and uh, I I pass uh, with uh, uh, to do my my degree and uh, with uh, full tuition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a, <laughs> was a crazy moment. So God uh, talked with uh, very uh, with very strong to to us that. Okay, it's the way. So we we were preparing to come here uh, in this last day, uh, last months, and now we are are here. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks, God. Thank you so much. We look forward to getting to know you and the kids and Danny. Okay. Bless you. They'll be here for one year, so better start knowing them. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Clara. And uh, I just want to thank guys like um, Diana, Anile, Jillian, Nick, Brandon. Sheldon, Sheldon also? Sheldon. <laughs> and a few others that I have missed out, like Evan, and the others that I have missed out. <laughs> Pardon? Jeremy. So, uh, and I help too. So uh, I just want to thank all these guys for uh, going to the house that they stay at and setting it all up so that when they came, man, it looked really good. Um, I was very surprised because when I dropped off some stuff there, uh, it looked like only bachelors could live there. But when I went back, it was like a fully established house. It's actually near your place, Jason. It's 45th, no, actually not. 45th and Victoria. So, uh, welcome guys, and uh, let's see if there are... You, you must be Martin, right? Yeah. Hi Martin, Hi. my name is Jacob, heard about you. Hi, Stephen. Stephen, welcome. And I think the rest of us have been here before, right? Yeah, you guys have been here before. You have. See, this is a problem with masks, you cannot tell. So if you just want to say, uh, tell us your name and we'll embarrass you. Sorry? Angie. Angie. Pleasure meeting you guys. Yay! Yay. And uh, Jillian, you were away somewhere, right? So she's going to tell us where she was. And after that, uh, um, no, not Evan. After that, Hamari will come up and sing. Yeah. Hello. What's going on? You got pictures? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I do. Can you turn it down a little bit? Um, there are pictures. So I went to um, 
Germany, Lithuania, and the UK. You can put up, there's a picture of a family. You can start no with that picture. Yeah. Um, so this was in Lithuania. I think maybe some of you remember meeting Ginteris uh, two years ago. And that's um, his wife, Dovilla, and their little boy, Aranis. And so I went and spent four days with them in Lithuania and just met with their, currently they have one person meeting with them in a house church. And uh, they fed me lots of delicious goodies. They have a bakery, which um, they're doing really well with. And, and the thing with this is, they used to live in another town. I mean, people are just moving towns like crazy. They used to live in another town, and they moved to this place called Kaunas. And Kaunas is a city that God will give us a huge presence in it. It's one of, uh, we'll talk about Kaunas another day. And so they moved from their town, left their parents, left their homes, left and God also said that he'd help them start a business that would do well. So that's the context of this, eh? So, so their business is really uh, important to them. It's really taken off. And um, one thing they kept saying to me is, Jillian, it's really hard to start a business in Lithuania. Lithuania is a really hard place to start something new. And, and so it's really a testament to them that what has been spoken into their life, what they're supposed to be doing, that God's really behind them and backing them. Um, but I also, I, something I realized is that, especially over the last two years, a lot of people have become very isolated. And, and so it's very hard feeling like we're supposed to be starting something here, but we're all on our own. Um, and so it was really encouraging for me and for them to just be able to meet with them and encourage them. I don't know, we, every day we'd get together and we met with the girl in their house church, and they just had questions and questions and questions and questions. And, and so that's really what we did was I just spent hours answering questions and, um, and encouraging them that this is something that they can step into, even though it's just three of them, that it's really where two or more gathered. And so it was really, um, it was really encouraging for me and I think for them to be able to go and visit and connect with them and just help them establish that, hey, this isn't something that's been forgotten, that they aren't people who've been forgotten, but this is really something that they can do. And then I was just able to meet in, I spent one very quick day in the UK, and then I spent um, a little bit in Germany, and I was just able to connect with two people who I meet with on Zoom every week, or every second week, and um, it was just cool to be able to see, I think there's one other picture. Oh, yeah. um, it was cool to be able to see that um, when we, we can start something here, and Zoom really gives us capabilities to meet with people all over the world, and then we have the opportunity to choose to be able to take our free time and then be able to go and pour into people's lives. And that's really a calling for all of us here on the ch in the church is that as we connect with people, we have to be willing to pay the cost to step beyond Zoom. We have to be willing to go and actually connect, actually let people see our lives and be able to pour into people's lives no matter where in the world they're from. And I think that's it. This is uh, Leah. She's actually coming to stay here for three weeks. Next week, she'll be here. Please so, take care of her. This is Jacob. This is Jacob's niece. Yeah. So please take. Yeah. We. I'm still trying to figure all that out. <laughs> I hope she's not watching. <laughs> and uh, please don't tell my mom I said that. <laughs> okay. Um, um, are you ready? Uh, Amari?
Pardon? Oh, no, no, I'm serious. I'll give you some more time. Liji, you wanted to share a story. Come. You know, no, she, she, she needs a few more minutes. She thought I was joking. Yeah. So you got three or four minutes because Liji is going to speak for three or four minutes. I don't know where to start. Um, you know, a, couple, uh, a month ago, I was in a uh, prayer group, a prayer meeting, and um, <clears throat> um, the time came when we were were to share a testimony, and um, and I felt like I wanted to share a testimony, but I didn't know what to sh I, where to start. Um, this year, um, you know, I've been experiencing a lot of uh, favors from God to the point that I don't have, I can't start somewhere, and I literally could not uh, share the testimonies that that I wanted to share, and I just said, God has been very, very kind and, um, and has been doing a lot of favor in my life uh, this year. Um, I go to a prayer group, um, uh, prayer meeting with, I mean, um, house church, uh, Dano's house, I mean, in Dano's house, and I was there uh, for over three, four months where I could not start uh, sharing testimony because of the, the intensity of the favors that God has been given giving me, but uh, there's something uh, interesting that I wanted to share with you. Uh, in the heights of all these uh, great experiences and favors I had, uh, one day, um, you know, I was looking to get a home mortgage, and um, I know it was very difficult for me to get, and um, there was a few, four or five uh, great mortgage brokers that I, that I know that I can always reach out, and one of them is Darshan, he's, he's phenomenal in his work. Um, so I could have reached out to Jadarshan, but then, you know, inside me, I was, there was, a, there was um, a, a voice telling me, you should reach out to this particular mortgage broker that worked with you uh, to buy your first home way back in 2008. Uh, but um, it was just a feeling, and I didn't want to do it. And the reason is, there's a backstory. Um, this is a guy who bought my first home. He did a great job, but in the second purchase, I was already uh, was working in the bank, and I knew what uh, what was the best deal. So I told this guy, I have five things that I want you to deliver. Give it to me, and he promised in the email. Uh, he could only deliver three, two he could not. But then I reached out to him and asked him to deliver. He couldn't. I brought it up to his manager. Um, they looked at it, and they felt I was asking too much. And I was so much uh, arrogant that I went and uh, complained against him to the regulators. Whoever works in the bank knows when you touch regulators, it is the worst thing that an employee in the bank uh, or financial industry works. And the next day, he came running to me and said, you know what, I can, I can take care of everything. And he gave me everything that I asked for. Since then, I have never dealt with him because there's no way I can deal with him. And my heart was saying that I should reach out to him. So you know what, I thought, I'll just call him. I called him. And luckily, he did not uh, take the call. So I, was, I said, you know, I did my part, so I was going to take my... <laughs> I started taking my phone and started looking for the second uh, guy. And, and the other three brokers were great people, so I knew that I was, you know, I was safe. By the time I was looking for the second, uh, the, the broker's number, this guy calls me back and says, and he had a very rude voice, and he said, yeah, who is this? And, um, and, I, and I introduced myself and then I shared that you did a great job in initially, and then I said, I want you to help me with this. 
And uh, he said, okay, you know what, Liji, I'll do it for you. Uh, he, this is what he said, I'll do it for you. He didn't want it, but I'll, he said he'll do it for me. And then what happened is he looked at my situation and he said, there's nothing, nobody can do anything for you because it's really, really bad. Your situation has to change to, for in, in order for me to help, help you. And this was March or Feb of this early year. And he's been working with me since uh, Feb until Sept I mean, September and got me the mortgage. And that he pulled off a lot of things. And while he was doing this, I found that some of the solutions he was giving me was going to affect his revenue. And then I was so ashamed. And I, I told him, you know, I'll compensate a little bit. And he said, he was he said, I don't want your money. I just wanted to get that done. And he got my mortgage done, and then, um, and, and even after the mortgage was done, I was very stressed, I was extremely stressed. And my wife was asking, why are you stressed? Everything is in order. But little does she know that the, the dynamics between us, this guy can do something to collapse the deal, even the last day. I, the stress continued even after the, and the deal was completed. But when I looked at it, um, uh, this is a man that I wronged, but who who worked with me for this long and made me made um, and got me one of the things that even the best of the best people couldn't do. Um, so um, you know, in the in the midst of all these favors, you know, you enjoy all the favors. Um, you know, God is also uh, asking you to. Uh, before you go to your altar um, and, 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 and give your um, praises, reach out to the people that you have wronged and people that have anything against you. Um, in my case, um, you know, I, didn't, I just made a missed call and rest, all the reconciliation was done by him. I didn't do anything and I would not be able to reconcile or correct what was wrong. And I felt like all the reconciliation was done by this in by God itself. Amen. So I awesome. think I think uh, this is something that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. Um, this was phenomenal in the way how God made that happen. See, um, I'm not even I I don't even understand why I'm um, why we are going down this route. Like he just asked me if he could share a story, and when he asked me, and I don't know the story, I have to make a call on do I let him share it now or is it for another day. But um, uh, these are actual conscious things that happen in my head and spirit, eh? When someone says they want to share a story. But somehow, the way we are going today, might be best to take these little things and fix whatever you need to fix, eh? He's the believer here, not the other guy. But the other guy was the one who took the trouble of reconciling stuff. And so, if there are outstanding issues like this, get them fixed. These are not... Um, we, we, I mean, we don't take so much time uh, on normal Sundays because this time is precious. You're taking my time, actually. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, yet, there seems to be this way we are heading right now. So uh, please take these points home, be it what Jeevan said or be it what he said, uh, be it what Hamari is going to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, that's her husband, yeah? It was not some random stranger she pulled out of the pews. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, today I was feeling particularly weak, and that's why I was sitting in the room. 
Great. I have great timing. Yes, yeah. perfect timing. But yeah. we all know that in our weakness, his, in our weakness, we all know that in our weakness, um, his strength is manifest. Yeah. So even though I'm feeling a little bit weak, and I will try, uh, probably I will try praise his name by Sherry Easter. Jeff and Sherry Easter. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Okay, let's see. Praise his name. There you go. Is it okay if I sit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm feeling a little weak. Yeah, all right. When you're up against the wall And your mountain seems so tall And you realize that life's not always fair You can run away and hide Or let the old man decide You can change your circumstances with a prayer When everything falls apart Praise His name When you have a broken heart Just raise your hands and say Hallelujah, Lord Lord, you're all I need You're everything to me And I'll take the pain away When you seem you're all alone Praise His name When you feel you can't go on Just raise your hands and say Greater is He That is within me You can praise the hurt away darkness go as the faith begins to grow you're not alone so how can you be lonely when everything falls apart praise his name when you have a broken heart just raise your hands and say Lord, you're all I need. You're everything to me. You can raise the hurt away. He'll take the pain away. When it seems you're all alone, praise, praise His name. When, when you, you feel you can't go on, just raise your hands and say, Greater is He that is within me, and
and you take the pain away if you'll just praise his name amen give you praise right now we give you praise Jesus Praise your name, O oh God. Praise your name, Jesus. In the midst of our trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, we raise our voices and we praise your name. We raise our voices and we praise your name. You make all things beautiful. You enter into our pain and our hurt and you change it, O oh God. Raise our voices and we give you praise. Lily of the valley, Rose of Sharon. The fourth man in the fire. We give you praise, O oh God, we raise our voices. You're worthy, O oh God, you're worthy, O oh God. Hora braya vrinantriya fa. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I will worship your home. Come church, one more time, regardless of our circumstances, eh? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his home. We worship you, Jesus, you are good. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I will worship your holy name. The sun comes up. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship your holy name. I'll sing like never before, oh my soul. I will worship your holy name. You're rich in love. You're rich in love and you're Hallelujah, one more time. You're rich in love. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is high. For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons 
Highest praises. Fire, I 
We worship you, living God. You dwell in our midst, oh God. We worship, we bow before your throne. From you are all things, and to you are all things. We gather before you, we bow before your throne. We worship you, O oh God. We worship you, O oh God. We worship you, O oh God. Oh, you are great. Ibrabayase. Lift our voices to you. Lift my heart to you. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. O Grayara Brefayara Show, O Yabra Fire, incense of worship, incense of worship, incense of worship. Fill your throne room with the incense of worship, as all the saints and the angels bow before you, and we say, You are worthy of it all. 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 Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. Worthy of our worship. Worthy of our worship. You strengthen us, O oh God. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Worthy of our worship. You strengthen us, O oh God. Oh, we give you worship, King of glory, King of glory. So we join with the saints, we join with the angels, join with the elders. And we sing, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. of it all again. Are all things. 
praise, Lord. All good things come from you. Sing it again, church. worship you. We bring the incense of our worship. You're worthy of it all. One last time. You're worthy of it time church we bless you Jesus we can't stop you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all for from you are all things to you are all things of the glory you're worthy Lord you're worthy of it all you're worthy of it It's your breath in our love. 
Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. time church all the earth all the earth will shout your praise the hearts will cry these bones will sing hallelujah Lord we worship hallelujah Lord we worship Bless you, Father. Father, we just do two things. One, we just lay hands on her and pray that you will strengthen her body. So in Jesus' name, we as a church ask for this for her, Father. We called her, you called her, she came, had to sit down and sing, but we pray that when she stands, Father, that she will have strength restored to her body. There will be an amazing healing that you will do. Not as a reward, but just it's your nature. For our sake, do it as a reward. From your sake, do it because it's your nature. And we thank you for returning breath to Jeevan's lungs. Thank you, Abba. Thank you for taking lungs that were severely damaged and returning breath back to it. So we thank you now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, uh, Hamari. And uh, Remy.
Okay, let's go straight into the teaching, not take a break. It's your breath. Hey, it was your birthday, right? You want us to sing? Come stand here. Come. How old are you, one or two? You're two. Okay, so let's sing happy birthday to this two-year-old. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Phoebe. Happy birthday to you. Yay! So let me just pray for you. Father, I just bring Phoebe to you right now. Um, there are two things you wanted said in front of the church about. I want to say those two things. One of the things was uh, from Second Kings 22, I think, where you talk about this young king called Josiah. He was eight years old when he came to the throne. Father, something significant is going to happen in Phoebe's life at eight. But you want us to know that at two so that we got six years to prep for it. And so we thank you, Abba, that eight years old will be a turning point for this girl. That was one of the things you wanted us to know. And then the second thing is, Father, uh, from, Nehemiah, uh, from Zechariah 8, I think it's verse 14 or 18 or somewhere there, it says that um, uh, what he wanted to say was that she has the ability to turn fasts into feasts. The fast of the third month, the fifth month, the eighth month, the eleventh month, and the twelfth month. She'll have the ability to turn these fasts into feasts. And I want to declare that, Abba. And that it'll start at a very young age where people that are lamenting, people that are fasting, people that are broken, she'll have the ability to turn fasts into feasts. And so we declare that from Zechariah 8, verse 14-ish upon her too. And so we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, guys. It's very hard to keep a child still when a person is praying, right? We shouldn't even try. Because it just makes it worse. And then it looks like the parents don't have any control. Like it did just a minute ago. Alrighty. Guys, um, this ti- uh, the title of this teaching is Post-Threshold. Because we've been talking about threshold. And uh, so... So we've been talking. Hey, Nick. Yeah, thanks. I hope you got it right, man. Don't add nothing to it. Okay, so you can title it post-threshold, as in... um, We've been talking about this idea of threshold, and so now we are saying, okay, so once you cross the threshold and enter into this new place in God, then what happens? How do we handle after entering into a new place? So let's remember what we said about threshold for those that were not here or haven't heard. By the way, when I talked about my niece, my sister and niece were watching. Things are not good. So, uh, we said that we are at, many of us, both as a church and as individuals, are at a place called a threshold. 
A threshold is that space that you step into where there's a door that is beginning to open before you, but the door behind you slams shut. There is no reassurance, no promise uh, while we are in this corridor. But God is inviting us to step into a new room. The old room behind us is shut and a new room opens up before us. And many of you have talked about how um, you've been experimenting with it and exploring it. And so now that you've entered the new room, uh, and most of us are at that place or that juncture in our life, eh? In this church. I mean, Miguel is a perfect example. Now that you've entered the new room, how do you, how do you navigate this new place that God has brought you into? That's what we want to talk about. So uh, if you've crossed the threshold, it means you've entered into a large room. So now what? I'm good, man. Thanks. Now what? To begin with, the moment you enter into a new room in God, uh, it's challenging. It challenges your belief. It challenges your belief. What next? It's so, uh, it's so cool to enter into new places in God. But the, then begins the thing of, okay, now what do I do now that I've entered? Because entered? it is, challenges your belief and it challenges your expectations. What do I do now? Challenges your belief and challenges your expectations. And so one of the things you have to do is learn to position, learn to position, learn to position and face everything. Standing in the favor of God. And I'll explain that. Standing in the favor of God. See, remember, whenever God takes you into a new place, let me use Miguel as an example. Um, so God's brought Miguel and his family into a new room. The old room was Sao Paulo. That's done. The new room is Vancouver. He's in a new room now. Now begins the challenge. Now begins, okay, I'm here. What am I supposed to do now? What are my expectations? What do I do in this new space? When that happens, that is when you need to position or face everything standing in the favor of God because it's the favor of God that brought you here. It doesn't stop. It is the favor of God that gave him admission. It's the favor of God that gave him a visa. It's the favor of God that gave him two vaccinations in Brazil when vaccinations were not available. It is the favor of God that provided him the money. It is the favor of God that provided him the home here. It's the favor of God that provided him a family here. Everything that they have is because of the favor of God. And if he has been brought to the threshold and has crossed into a new place, then now how you deal with your expectations and challenges has to be by positioning yourself and standing in the favor of God, saying, you brought me thus far with your favor, I expect you to take me home too and help me explore this new place with favor. And if I don't walk in that favor, then what do I walk in? Faith? That is so strenuous. Remember, guys, walking in favor is far easier. Walking in faith is more strenuous. Children walk in favor. They don't walk in faith. They just know, I got favor. As grown-ups, we got to learn how to walk in favor... And you're aware of favor only when you cultivate intimacy. You're aware of favor only if you cultivate, cultivate intimacy. I didn't say you get favor when you cultivate intimacy. I said you're aware of favor when you cultivate intimacy. There's a huge difference, eh? You get favor not because of intimacy. You get favor because of the one who has decided that he will give you favor. 
but you're aware of favor only when you cultivate intimacy. So let's assume that Sheldon wants to show me favor. He's decided it doesn't matter what Jacob wants to do, I'll show him favor. But till I come into a relationship with him, I am not aware of the favor that I have. So favor is cultivated through intimacy. And once we get to that place, guys, this new room that God is opening up for you now becomes a place that you can experiment with. You're aware of favor when you cultivate, cultivate intimacy with the Father, and favor makes you bolder. Favor makes you bolder. It creates new experiences for you. Without favor, you cannot walk this. And it's not a lack of favor, it's a lack of an awareness of favor. Stand in favor and face things. Let me give you a good example. Exodus 13, verses 14 to 19. Moses knew that he had favor. And he's standing before Yahweh and saying to him, if I have found favor in your sight. So he's saying, I know I have favor, but if I have found favor in your sight, teach me your ways so that I may continue to walk in your favor. That's what it says in Exodus 33, 13 to 19. It's an awareness of favor, and now standing in that, having a million stiff-necked people behind him, he has to lead them through the desert, and he's saying, I know I've found this, I need more of it so that I can continue to walk in favor. And then that makes him bolder. Well, how does it make him bolder? For the first time, uh, it doesn't matter how you, much you crouch, they see you on camera, man. Yeah, you might ask, well, yeah, yeah. I should have laid my hands and prayed for you and you should have straightened up. <laughs> Done. Lost opportunity. Okay. Um, so, uh, so now Moses, he, he now gets bolder. He knows he is God's, he's got God's favor. God says stuff like, hey, listen, Moses, I will not leave you. My favor is upon you. I know you by name. And now Moses gets bolder. So what does he say? For the first time in history of the earth, someone says, oh God, show me your glory. As in, show me your absolute magnificence. I don't want to see a cloud. I don't want to see a pillar of fire. I want to see your glory. How do you get bold like that, man? You only get bold like that when you begin to taste favor, when you're clothed with favor, when you know that it doesn't matter how I screw up, Sheldon will still give me everything he has. That is what favor looks like. Hey, I want my credit card back, huh? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> Okay, so, so that's what favor looks like. So the only way to explore this room, every time God brings me into a new place, I have to remind myself. Because once you step into the new place, then that's when you think, this is great, I've got new place to go, but uh, what do I do with this space? How do I furnish it? What do I do with this? That is when we usually as humans resort, revert back to or resort to things we've tried in the past. This is why we bring old furniture. It's amazing how you were on the fifth floor of a Trump Tower and Trump has now invited you to the top floor. And uh, you go to the top floor, but you're hauling your old furniture to the top floor. And Trump is looking at you saying, I just gave you the top floor that overlooks all of New York and you're bringing your old furniture? I got furniture there for you. You just have to ask. That's what happens to us, see? We haul the old because now that we have this new space, there's too much space, we don't know what to do. So we bring everything from the old and furnish the new. 
Spiritually, we do this every time, man. Because that's how we think. And then after doing that, we walk in faith, saying new things will come. When the new things come, we will get rid of the old. And God is saying, listen, when I give you a new space, I want you to walk in favor. Because if I gave you the space, surely I had arrangements for it. These are not like the moving people that Derek and Don hired when they wanted to move a sofa into their house. You've heard that story, right? You haven't? So Derek and Don decided to get this huge sofa. And the movers brought it, and they brought it to the building and they looked at the elevator and they left it there and said, you don't have to pay us for moving it to your room. We leave it here and they ran. Because <laughs> in terms of physics, it was not possible to get, that elevator, uh, get the sofa into the elevator. But along comes Professor Jeevan. Professor Jeevan examined the elevator from all sides and he found a way to get the sofa into the elevator. And then he also found a way to get it out. By now, one elevator is completely ruined and <laughs> only one elevator is working after the sofa came out. And now it comes to the door and then there's a new problem. The sofa won't go in through the door. So Jeevan goes inside and he decides he's going to... Uh, He's going to command traffic from inside. But there's also amazing biryani that Derek and Don has just bought. And so Jeevan starts eating the biryani. <laughs> when I go to see how things are going, every time he says, Jeevan, <laughs> and Derek and Don are trying to figure out how to get this huge sofa that's as big as a tank through a narrow door. And people that are walking in the corridor have to duck, go under the sofa to gain the one elevator that's working now. I don't know why we are talking about this, uh, but in the end, they realized that it won't go in. So they asked for my help. I'm off, always resourceful. I bring them a little electric saw. But the problem is the saw is only this big. <laughs> and the cable is very short, so now they need an extension plug. So one goes to, this thing gets an extension plug. Next time I come back, because I don't want to be caught being associated with them. Jeevan's still eating biryani. <laughs> Derek's holding the sofa and Don is using <laughs> this smaller saw to saw through the sofa. Brand new sofa, sawn into two, was eventually taken into the house. And so Derek's dad comes to visit and Derek's dad sit on, sits on the wrong end of the sofa. <laughs> he didn't know that we already knew how not to sit on the wrong end because there's nothing at one end. So you sit on the wrong end, the whole sofa goes like this. What, how was the story connected? There was no connection. Bringing, oh, bringing old furniture, yeah. So that's the first thing, guys. Once you've crossed the threshold, it's a challenge to believe and live in this new expectation. To, so learn how to position and face everything in the favor that got you here in the first place. Second step is, guys, you've, been, you've, you've stepped into an invitation to walk with the Lord. Whenever God gives you a bigger space, in spiritually, physically, financially, whatever realm, because he doesn't separate it, he sees it all as continuous. Whenever God asks you to, invites you to step into um, uh, walking with him in a new area, he, never forget that he will fill in the details as you walk. He will not give you the details before. He will fill in the details as you walk. So it is... Hey, Jacob, that was a small room. Look at this big room. Let's start walking. But what do I do here? As you walk with me, I will fill in the details. 
He will not give you the details before. He'll give you the details as you begin this walk. So, whenever you get into this new place, plead for a fresh encounter with his presence. Plead for a fresh encounter with his presence. Don't ask him for steps. Don't ask him for provision. Don't ask him for plans. Plead only for one thing. Oh God, could you please give me a fresh encounter? What Miguel and his family needs to do is not find out how to get to UBC, how to buy groceries, how to go to Superstore. All that is trivial. The only thing that he has to do is, oh God, can I have a fresh encounter of your presence? If I have that, I have everything. Yesterday, someone, uh, I've got a few really uh, critical decisions and um, things to do this week. And so yesterday, someone asked me, so have you figured out what to do? And my response was, no, I didn't. But I did go and sit alone in a park for two hours fixing my uh, uh, life with God. Because if I do that, the other stuff is, eh. So I spent two hours sitting in a park, talking to God, sorting out things. Why? Because if I sort out me and God, the other stuff gets sorted out. So every time you step into these kind of places, guys, plead for a fresh encounter of his presence. Plead not because um, he's not willing to give. Plead because you can show him how desperate you are. And you can show yourself how desperate you are. Step into a fresh encounter of his presence. What will happen then? It'll give you confidence. It'll give you confidence. It'll give you confidence to walk without a map, armed only with his proceeding word. It'll give you the confidence. 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 Yeah, it's on. But it's kind of flip-flop. Check, check, okay. Check. Hey, can I have some more volume, please? Check, yeah. So, um, if you step into a fresh encounter with him, you will walk without a map, but you will only, armed only with the proceeding word, as in, Father, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to go about it? Any questions on these two points? Because these are critical. What we do when we get a new space is we begin to look for, how do I furnish it? What should I do? How do I deal with it? What? It becomes so full of the things we need to do. How do I set up the phone? What name shall I give it? Um, where do I park my car? What's the parking slot number? How do I get a Wi-Fi? How do I get a phone? I'm not saying those are not important, but they become so important that they crowd out the one person you need for a new start, God. It's very natural for us to think like this. Any questions? Uh, uh, repeat the question. If you are desperate for the encounter with his presence, then you can be confident that he'll respond. 
you can be confident that he'll respond. He is not holding back, guys. He is not holding back. Desperate in the sense, Father, I don't, I'm not desperate after furnishing my house. I'm, I'm furnishing the space. I'm desperate after, I'm not desperate after furnishing the space. I'm desperate after knowing what, how you want to go about this. And desperation shows itself in... Uh, then maybe I should define desperation. By desperation, I mean he becomes the most important thing. He becomes the first step. And desperation is measured in time, in attention, in awareness. So it's a different kind of desperation. It's, yeah, it's Jesus, you at present are more important. Yeah, yeah, and your focus is on him rather than the hundred things that you have to do. But what usually happens is, no, 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 no. Not desperate to get it done. Desperate after someone, not something. The, and it's not easy for us humans, eh? Not easy. Check. All righty. This is the most waxed spot on my face. <laughs> check, check, check. All good. Yeah. Third thing. Um, once you cross the threshold, you enter a new space. And I have. Some of you have. Um, we have as a church. Many of you are. And so, hey, I need more volume, man. Because if I can't hear myself, I start shouting. And then, um, yeah, uh, maybe it makes a difference. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, thanks. Post, uh, yeah. So once you cross into this new space, guys, never let your faith be set on the words of men. Never let your faith... Never let your faith be set on the words of men. Be set on the words of men. Never let your faith be set on the words of men, but on the living word of God. But on the living word of God. But on the living word of God. But isn't that obvious? Not really. What happens is when you step into the new place, there's a lot of good advice that will come to you as to how to navigate this. A lot of cautions, a lot of warnings. His experience does not have to be my experience as I step into a new place. I have to keep going back to the promises and the assurances that God has given me before. Because otherwise what happens is my cautions, my warnings may actually frighten you from being confident. So whenever I come into a new place, I have to go back to the promises of God. People may say, hey, this might happen, that might happen. And those things are so real because it actually happened to people that I have to constantly say, but this is what God said, so this is what I will stick with. This is what God said, this is what I'll stick with. Then it doesn't matter. You don't change dates. You don't adjust. You don't 
uh, shift things. You just stick to the plan that you are so sure you heard that you do not deviate from it. Think of the situations you are in right now, which are relatively new. Where God has very clearly said, this is how you need to function. But there are opposing voices, the clamor, the noise in your head keeps increasing. And that is when I have to make sure that when I enter this new place, let my faith be set on the words of, not set on the words of men, but on the living words of God. I said this to um, um, Jeevan about three weeks ago. When you feel the winds coming against you, look for God. When you feel the winds coming against you, look for God and expect him to reveal himself. When you feel the winds coming against you, look for God and expect him to reveal himself. Every parent does this. When a child begins to start on something new and begins to feel the resistance or the wind or the swing going too high, all the child has to do is look for his parent and his dad or his mom is there and he expects them to reveal themselves. Whenever you face the winds, look for God. You've got to look for God and he'll turn up in the way that he thinks fit for that particular occasion. He won't turn up as you want him to turn up. He Look for him. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it says, um, this is the first chapter, it's verse 2 or something. And Ezekiel says, I saw a wind-filled storm approaching. And as I saw the storm approaching, it was foreboding. But as I looked into the storm, I saw one who was like gleaming metal, whose face was like the face of a man. In the middle of the storm, in a nasty cloud, you will always look for God and find him because he expects you to look for him and he'll reveal himself and he'll reveal himself in the way that is best suited to you. And Ezekiel sees a man with the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle and the face of an ox. You don't know which face God will come to you as, but once you know what he's coming to you as, you know this is how I need to walk for the next little while. To tell you honestly, guys, every service, when it begins, I'm trying to find out, so who are you coming today to us as? doesn't matter what songs we are singing. All our songs will fit. But if the worship leader can't find out who is God coming to us as, you will find that we are right on track and we have the wings of an eagle that are carried by the wind of the Spirit. So every Sunday I have to find out, Father, who? So today it was, break the silence right now or it will come down on you like a blanket. Which is why we sang a song that is as old as me. Dinah's wondering which one. We're not going to tell her. Put him in the mother's room. <laughs> yeah, that song was written... Yeah, long ago, before your parents were married, yeah. I'm older than your parents? Little bit, huh? Shoot. When you are now older than the parents of the people in your church? Dilna, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> Rise above the head noise, guys. 
Rise above the head noise that surrounds you to see clearly. Mark 6.49, John 21.4, what happens is the waves are there and they just see someone who's walking on the waters and they think it's a ghost. Same thing happens in John 21.4 where they've kind of been disheartened with Jesus disappearing and then they see someone on the beach and they don't recognize him as Jesus. Every wind, don't look at the wind, don't look for help, don't look for a life boy, don't look for a, a place to hide. Look for God because he will appear as he needs to. Sometimes this will be what ends up in you having this experience of walking on water. Other times it'll be uh, amazing amounts of fish. God is always leading us into greater and greater experiences with him. Remember that. This is something we forget. God is leading us every day. His invitation is, can I take you into another experience with me? I didn't say adventure. I didn't say supernatural. I just said another experience with God. Good dads do this with their children. Day off, take their children with them. Another experience with dad. Any questions? See him. Remember him. And you will see who you are and you will remember who you are. Ah, can't tell you how critical this is. See him as he presently wants to be known in this big new room he's giving you. Remember him as the one he wants himself to be known in this new big room he's giving you. And if you do that, you will also see who you are and you will remember who you are. I was going to say at the beginning of worship, there are times when God says, I don't want to clear the way for you. I want you, because you are close to me, to rise up from within yourself and clear the way for me. Just hear that again. Sometimes we worship and we pray so that God can come and clear the way so that he can be whatever he wants you to be. There are other times that God will say, hey, Marcus, hey, Miguel, hey, Remy, you already know who I am. Now, can you let that rise up? I don't want to clear the way for me to come. You clear it for me. And the strength within you begins to roar. And, and whatever needs to separate, separates. Sometimes I have to do it. Not God. It's like Phinehas. You think God couldn't have taken care of Zimri and Cosby? Hey, Shiloh. Oh, sorry, you were trying to sneak in. Where's Shiloh? Where's Shiloh? There is. I, I love what Phinehas does. God could have easily taken care of Zimri and uh, Cosby because his presence had come into the camp and um, instead of being reverent, they were literally caressing each other in the presence of um, this holy moment that the rest of Israel was enjoying. Instead of God taking care of it, I mean, he had opened the earth up a couple of times, uh, just needed to open a small hole, two people. Instead of doing that, look what Phinehas does. He takes a javelin and drives it through Zimri and Cosby and puts an end to the plague. And God says, he is jealous for my name. This zeal will not be forgotten. For the rest of history, I'll remember Phinehas. 
That is what I mean by there are times in this church where instead of the worship leader helping us or the worship uh, making things happen, God having to intervene, you rise up and say, I have what it takes to pave the way open for God to come. Once we begin to practice that, God will send you into places where he'll say, Jacob, you go. Uh, I don't have to turn up. I am in you. That is enough. Just think of that. Selah. That kind of confidence, man, is what creates history makers. And by history makers, it doesn't have to be a nation. It can be just one life. Change one life. And that life goes and changes the nation. Questions? You want to come up now, Jillian, and share it? You need more time? I can give you more time. I can go. I just wanted to share an example of Jacob um, writing down the see him, remember him, and then remember who you are in him. And um, when I was going to Lithuania, um, this was my first trip on my own. And I was really nervous. And, and a few people knew. And um, when I was on the plane, I was saying to God, okay, God, so if this is something that I'm supposed to be going and doing, then how am I supposed to walk? And so on my phone, I started writing down a bunch of things of what I felt like God was saying to me. And it wasn't even stuff that was pertaining to the trip, but it was pertaining to how I'm supposed to be walking. And as soon as I finished writing them all down, I, did the email come? I, um, I looked out the window. And when I looked out the window, the, I saw a rainbow and it was a complete circle. And, I, and I, I caught my eye, and I looked at it, and I was really intrigued. I thought, oh, this is so cool. There's this rainbow. And you could only see the rainbow when there were clouds. As soon as the plane would go and you couldn't see the clouds anymore, you couldn't see a rainbow anymore. And, and so I watched it for about 10 minutes. And, and as I w watched it, all of a sudden, that you could see the plane inside the rainbow. And, and it was just such a reminder of, okay, if I'm seeing him, then I'm starting to remember who I am. And I've just finished writing down who I am. And then God gives me this rainbow saying, hey, this is a promise. This is something that you're supposed to walk in. This is a way that you need to stop, start operating. And so when Jacob was just talking about that, I was just um, reminded of this and thought that it was just an example of um, yeah. what he was sharing. And, and the strange thing. I think we should start paying you guys so we can shout at you. Ten dollars? This is true. It's very hard to shout at volunteers. 
From now on, all of you will be getting $10 a month. <laughs> oh no, this is not a good idea. We do not shout at anybody. I just realized I get paid. Okay. <laughs> All right, just erase, erase. This is not going to happen. Yeah. You've been very kind. Pardon? No. <laughs> you guys are very kind to me. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Guys, when walking with God into a new room, you'll find that his stride is different from before. When walking with God into a new room, be it Liddy and uh, Jam walking, new, coming into a new place, be it Miguel, be it me, be it you, be it New York, be it whatever we are entering into as a church, whenever you enter a new place, you suddenly realize that you can't walk with the same stride you used to walk. Just, just don't even bother, because huh? in three steps, he'll be faster than you. Do not think that he will walk with you like he walked in Sao Paulo. No. It'll be a different stride altogether. He will behave differently, he will do things differently, he will time things differently, and that will be the most annoying. He will time things differently. The same God who used to turn up 10 hours before a deadline to give you um, the news will now turn up 2 hours before the deadline. He'll change timing. His stride will change. He's, there's a pace to what he's doing. He's even behaving differently. He's not comforting even you the way he used to comfort you uh, when you used to live there. Even his comfort changes. You're looking for that hand to uh, surround you, it ain't happening. It's not that God is changing, it is that God wants you changed. And so his stride changes when you enter a new place. So if you are craving for the same apologies, the same sensitivities, the same understanding, the same pampering from people and from God that you had before, then I want to say to you, you cannot run with the horses and running with footmen will tire you out. You want me to repeat that? I can see it. <laughs> when God's stride changes... What begins to happen is the way he behaves with you changes. The timing changes. How he does things changes. But we want the old God. The God who used to pamper. The God who likes uh, making sure that people apologize to you so you feel better. The God who used to cajole you because after all, you're just growing up. That God changes. And it's very annoying because you would prefer that. It's like children have you noticed how children, when they are small, they say things, doo, 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 and you think it's so cute. And they grow up about five years, and the parents get very annoyed. Why? Why can't you talk normally? And they're only five, huh? they've just moved three years. It's the same with us as Christians. We like that old pamper. And God is saying, hey, ain't going to work like that. And so if you are craving for the same apologies, if you're craving for the same sensitivities, if you want the same understanding, and if you don't want to be misunderstood, then I want to say to you that you will not run with the horses, and you will be tired running just with the footmen. So it needs a mind shift saying, oh my God, I'm in a new place. This is going to toughen me up a little more. Does God change or the level of God changes so that you enter a new level of relationship. God changes in, my, in his attitude with me so that I enter into a new level of relationship. Instead of holding my hand while jumping over a one foot, um, uh, um, whatever, hurdle. Yeah, and he won't, he won't hold my hand anymore. And I will find it as, why aren't you holding my hand? He will refuse to hold my hand because now I have to jump past it without him holding his hands. So has he changed? Yes. But why is he changing? 
God is the same, but he's changing in his attitude towards me so that I now begin to walk a little more mature. In this new space, it's going to happen. It's a place of greater sacrifice. You have to cease to work from your own individual standpoint. You have to start working from God's standpoint. And God's standpoint is always about others. That's the problem with God's standpoint. God's standpoint is uh, uh, that you should be a benefit to others. So when you start, so once you step into a larger room, invariably you succeed or fail based on whether you can shift from your individual standpoint to God's standpoint, which will require that you sacrificially serve more, that you sacrificially give more, that you sacrificially allot your time differently, that you sacrificially swallow your pride, that you sacrificially um, uh, serve others even when you are wronged, that you sacrificially decide that even though someone has cut you off, you will go and fix it because they need you and they cannot walk without you. Everything now changes. There are people that have cut me off that I refuse to be cut off from. You know why? Because I know that God has still a part in their lives through me. And if I now respond to their cutting me off, they will lose. Jacob, you're full of yourself. Full of yourself because of what God has said. Ah, then the Holy Spirit steps in. In this new space... The Spirit alters your perception. He alters your he he literally alters your perception, and through that, alters the atmosphere around you. Uh, Jacob, that sounds too supernatural. Yeah. So let's explain it and make it very down to earth. What he does is he cha- whenever the Holy Spirit helps you think, act, see differently, the very environment that you now walk in changes, without anything external changing. When the Holy Spirit helps you think, act, see differently. He has the ability through that simple work to alter the atmosphere around you because the environment may not change, but when you step into a place, it is different. It is different. There's just no way to eat those crisps without making noise. Now watch how loud it is with the mic on. Pardon? Yeah. When the Holy Spirit changes the way I see things, as in when he uses his lens in my glasses and changes the way I see, think, speak, and act, then you find that the atmosphere around you changes. You are now behaving. It doesn't matter that everything is the same. You now change the atmosphere around you. Um, So, for example... The Spirit of God promises you that, listen, I've asked you to step into this new space. I know how you used to live. You've got to trust me. See what I'm showing you. See how I'm thinking. See how you need to act. And you go, and you who have always been a good steward of what you have, been very careful, will not spend a dollar on yourself, will be very measured. You give, and suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to change your way of thinking. And you go, 
buy a carpet that you should not buy. You buy a um, Mac uh, Power Power Mac Airbook uh, that you should not buy. You begin to buy things, and you realize that your house is the same, but everything else looks new because your ability to see, think, and do things differently is changing the atmosphere around you. That's one thing. Let's take a spiritual aspect where suddenly God turns up and He begins to show you things in the Word as you're teaching or as you're speaking. He begins to show you. Things in the invisible realm, as you're talking, you begin to either see into the spiritual realm or you begin to sense in the spiritual realm. What then happens when you come and stand here and speak? Everything changes. The atmosphere changes because you now know what God is doing. Take worship leading. Do you think Jane hasn't changed? you think Jane hasn't changed in worship leading? You should have heard when she first started. It's not a compliment, the last sentence. And then the way she now is aware of things, we haven't changed. Strange, even we have changed. We don't need music and stuff like that to worship anymore. I'm always fascinated when everything stops and people are worshiping. We have changed. Environment doesn't change, but when God helps us see, think, act differently, then what happens is the very atmosphere, the Spirit of God can change because we see things differently. I'm confident of going into really nasty places that are, that are, that are centers of evil. Why? Because I, 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 four years ago I saw, thought, acted and knew certain things so differently that I knew that if I go there, just one man can change things in a city that has been evil for centuries. Am I still scared? Yes. But am I still absolutely confident? Yes. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, then he will change your way, your truth, and your life. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, then expect him to change your way, the knowledge of the truth that you presently have, and your life. Expect it. We say he's the way, the truth, and the life. True. Well, then your way is going to change too because he is the way. He keeps. It's like uh, one of the things I do from my balcony is I look at Mount Baker and occasionally look at the moon using binoculars. And fascinating, with my useless binoculars, when I look at the moon, I see things in the moon that are different from when you look at the naked, with the naked eye. You look at Mount Baker with my binoculars and you'll see crevasses and you will see snow in some areas and no snow in other areas. It's fascinating what a simple pair of binoculars can do. It's the same. As you begin to enter this new room, God is saying, please, can I give you a pair of binoculars so that I can change your way, your life, and your truth? Because I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. But stand in me so that I can expand it for you too. See differently. Jeevan coming back here, it's a new thing, that's a new life that awaits him. These 10 months were like a hiatus, and he comes back, and I assure you, do not expect the same things of Jeevan. If he behaves the same way, he will lose out. Uh, that's an irritated prophetic word. Uh, <laughs> and you receive it because I'm, it's not irritation with him. I'm just saying there are times when we need to change the way we are. Because here's the thing, guys. People gather around what you project. 
People gather around what you project. People gather around what you project. What are you projecting? You must project what the Holy Spirit is projecting in your heart and spirit. What is the Holy Spirit projecting upon the screen of my heart and my spirit? It must begin to show. As it begins to show, people will gather around what you project. And it's only the Spirit and the Word that can change me internally so that you can gather around me externally if I actually change. It happens with our parents too. One day the son turns into a counselor or a pastor. Where the same parents who would not think much of your advice, even though you advise uh, the CEO of companies, one day suddenly eyes open because there's something you're projecting that they realize, hmm, I can take advice from my son now. And if my sister is watching, she would say, yeah, I can take advice from my elder brother and come over to Vancouver two weeks from now. You can leave, use live stream for a whole lot of things. Okay, huh? <laughs> we've got to wrap up because it's getting to that time. Ah, this is such a cool point. Every new room requires a delight in discovery. Every new room requires a delight in discovery. As in, is God starting a new chapter in any area of your life? Then ask for a delight in discovery. Oh God, I'm not satisfied with getting what I asked for. I now want to explore the length and the breadth of it. Delight in discovery. Here's the problem. Anyone who, does, who thinks they can discover without breaking things, without making mistakes, without learning and stumbling, without risking, will not discover. Discovery always requires the breaking of things. You cannot put a child in a room and say, child, go discover, and expect the child not to touch stuff, not to break stuff. Perfectionists, ones who want to get things right the first time, the second time, and the third time, never discover. They just polish stuff and leave it there. If you're a perfectionist, and perfectionism is just another word for religion. If you're a perfectionist, you can have all the toys in the world and they last a last hundred years, but you will never discover what they do. Discovery requires delight. Delight requires touching things. Touching things requires breaking them occasionally, causing them to fall. When you and I want to get things right the first, second, third or fourth time, we are setting ourselves up for poverty. There's such, there's such richness in discovery. There are a couple of kids that I uh, allow uh, to play with my model airplanes. And I'm okay if they break it. These are expensive model airplanes. Eh? Like, they're easily about $60, $70. Some of them are $200. Thank God I got them as a gift. And so, um, you allow the kids to play with them fully aware that they'll break a wing, they'll snap an engine, they will lose in a wheel. But there is no way you can help a child discover the delight of an airplane without it breaking.
वन सेकेंड Um so when I was around 12 11 or 12 my mom gave me an expensive pair of earrings and she told me uh not to take them to camp it was an overnight camp that was like away uh and I really liked them and I wanted to show them off so I squirreled them away and I took them to camp anyways and sure enough I lost them um so there is necklace and earrings and i i brought the necklace back and i found i couldn't find the earrings so i never wore the necklace i never told her i had so much shame about it because i was like my mom gave me this really expensive pair of earrings and i disobeyed and then i lost them and now they're gone forever and i can never get it back so i can't even use this other thing that she got me because if i wear the necklace she'll know i lost the earrings and it was only maybe when i was like 25 like a really long time later that i ended up telling her mom like you gave me these earrings and i lost them at camp and i was so sad because i just had such shame about losing this precious gift that she gave me and she turned to me and she said emily like if i gave it to you i knew that you might lose them i gave them to you knowing that you might lose them you were young i i knew it when i gave it to you like i am not disappointed i'm not holding it against you and it just like released such shame and yeah and i think that's what god is also wanting to speak that if he's given it to us he knows we might break it he knows we might lose it and he doesn't want us to walk in shame from that from something that's happened in the past or from something that's happening moving forward yeah guys one of the coolest things about the garden of eden must have been i mean to begin with you know what eden means like uh, eden means eden means delight how one of the things that must have been happening every day when god would walk with them was their marvel at discovering the things that god had made just amazed at the things that were that they were seeing for the first time and we've lost it eh and god is saying when i take you into a bigger space come on man jacob delight with me discover it all this is yours explore it this, these are the words that he's actually saying to abraham abraham after lot goes and takes the best land and now it's genesis 13 or thereabouts and he's saying abram look as far as your eye can see all this i give you what's he saying come explore it with me check it out i'm giving you this what is giving you this means when as a parent you give something to the child child here is a toy um don't expect me to tell you how it works eh no now you begin to tell the child how to unwrap the pack how to take it out how to this is god's delight discover it and this goes on you know how long this goes on till you've covered everything in the room it is not some kind of here is the introduction to this room no it's like saw this now see this now see that now remember i did something like this for abram and i did that for joshua and i did that for paul imagine you're getting all the goodies in one shot and he lets you roam the room till you get to the other end of the room and now you see that the door you entered through 6 months ago is like so far away and this door is closer what does that mean that god is saying you you you've covered the length and breadth of what i had for you and now i got something new waiting for you so when jeevan says i am the door i'm saying to you that god has so many doors that he just says i am the door one after the other they start opening 
And every time you pass through a door, you must change because you cannot operate the same way in that room, in this room. You cannot. And changing requires certain things to happen, which is what we're talking about. What new things do you have in there? I already had raisins, chips. Um, expect to break things, expect to risk, expect to be afraid, expect a little bit of fear. Hello? I know fear is not from God, but when you're exploring a new room, expect to be a little afraid and immediately go to faith. I, I think I'm the most tested person in this room right now. In the last 12 days, I've had five tests. And they would shove the thing up. Some would go up my brain. The rest were in my uh, nose. And I know what God will do for me. But every time uh, I would hear my phone pop in the morning, I would quickly grab it to confirm that it was a negative test. Because uh, it doesn't relate to what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is this. There is sometimes fear that comes up when you explore something new. But every time fear comes up, Shut it down with faith. So you cannot delight in discovery without breaking things, without a little bit of fear every so often, without risking things, without learning things, without stumbling. You cannot learn. Not possible. And how we rob our children of the delight of discovery. How we rob them of the delight of discovery. What do you find through discovery? Not more toys. You find that God is the kindest, goodest, uh, faithfulest, happiest person in the world. Hey, here's the odd thing, eh? I was so sad about this when I was writing this down. Uh, Father, I still don't think of you consciously as the kindest, happiest person in the world. I think he's kind. I think he's good, but I don't, I don't think of him consciously and subconsciously as the kindest, happiest person in the world. I don't. And may I suggest that you don't either. These are fundamental to his existence. We don't think of him like this. Which leads me to the next point, which is uh, so not how we think. He's okay with my life flowing into his. We always think of his life must flow into me. And he's saying, hey, Jacob, you don't realize that your life and my life are one. I like your life flowing into me. I like your life flowing into me. It's such an odd way to phrase it. We're always saying, oh God, make me pure so that you can live in me. And he's saying, your spirit and my spirit is one. I don't compartmentalize. You cannot contaminate me, Jacob. I don't separate your humanity from my divinity. Your spirit and my spirit are one. I like your life flowing into me and my life flowing into you. 
So stop continuously preparing yourself to be receptive of the power of God or the Holy Spirit or my presence. I love the interchange that happened. It's a concluded thing for me. It's you who are struggling with it in your mind. You who have to jump through the Old Testament hoops of cleansing yourself, forgiving yourself, repenting, making sure that your repentance is good enough. Um, I don't think like that. If you could just change your way of thinking, you and I could get along so fabulously right off the morning, right off the bat, without you even praying. Your prayer should come out of my relationship with you. Your prayer shouldn't come out of getting into relationship with me every morning. Husbands and wives in love don't have to converse to each other. Honey, I still love you. I love you too. And then the whole thing. No, they get up and with smelly breath they kiss each other. Or so I've heard. <laughs> this isn't an unimportant point. I'm not flogging an unnecessary horse. Uh, this is so important that you realize that he doesn't feel like his life is contaminated by you. He doesn't have a three-second rule with you. Where you drop on the ground and if I don't pick you up within three seconds, I can't eat you. No. He's like, you can lie there for ages and I'll still pick you up because you, you and I are one now. Your spirit and my spirit are one. Selah. <laughs> last, last point. In this new room, test your ability and his extravagance in this new room, in this new room, test your ability and his, test his extravagance and your ability to handle it. In every new place God takes you to, one of the things you will experience is a new degree of his extravagance. Now, when we say extravagance, we immediately think dollars and cents. I'm saying that there's dollars and cents and then there's so much more in terms of his extravagance. Grace, faith, um, freebies, houses you haven't built, vineyards you haven't planted, wells you haven't dug, dollars and cents, friends, relationships, um, courage, fearlessness, People in high places who suddenly show you favor, land, extravagance. When you come into a new room, when they have come into a new room, when Miguel has come into a new room, when I'm stepping into new places, I was so, I was so scared, uh, kind of half scared, half surprised at what I prayed in um, New York uh, three weeks ago. I was standing, uh, God said, go to the end of the wilderness. There's a rock there. Find that rock. Go and stand there and pray. So I went to the, into this um, wilderness place in the center of New York, went, found the rock, stood on that. Josh was with me and started praying. And here were the words I prayed. I said, Father, I held nothing back from Vancouver. I poured my life out to what you wanted in Vancouver. And now I'm willing to hold nothing back in New York and pour my life out so that what you want built in New York will be built. So that was great. But then I suddenly realized it was almost like one chapter was shutting and another chapter was opening. And that scared me because I like where I am in right now. 
But with it, I also need to realize that every time I step into a new space that God is creating, I must test out his extravagance and my ability to handle it. And that extravagance may come in many different ways. You have to test out his extravagance and your ability to handle it. Because if you fail in your ability, his extravagance is not able to flow through. I heard a statement by a man once and uh, absolutely believe it and I've tried it out. He said, he went and asked the Lord, can I ask you for a million dollars? And God replied, you can ask me for a million dollars if you can give it away when I ask you to. Can I ask you for a million dollars? And God said, yes, you can. But I will give you a million dollars. You can ask me for a million dollars and I can give you a million dollars if you can give it away when I ask you to. And the guy agreed. And over the last few years, he's given away close to $10 million. $10 million. Why? Because he d agreed with God that I can ask you for it and you can ask me to give it away. Extravagance. So... He wants to move you from measure into fullness. He wants to move you from measure into fullness. Uh, you'll have to sell out these sentences, eh? He wants to move you from measure to fullness. Measure is what you have, fullness is what he has. Measure is what you have, fullness is what he has. Just think of that for a second. Measure is what you have. Fullness is what he has. He wants to move you from measure to fullness in every area of life. Every area of life. We're not talking about money right now. So dare to imagine better if you're in a new space. Dare to dream better. Dare to hear better. Dare to exert faith better so you can conceive new things that God wants, eh? One of the things he's saying to us, and this is the last sentence, he's saying, come bankrupt me in this room. Come bankrupt me in this room. God is saying, come bankrupt me in this room. Come to me, and in this room, bankrupt me. Get to a place where I've got nothing else to show you in this room. If you do that, I'll open the next door. He's done this many times with Abraham. Shall I hide from him what I'm about to do? Because this man... It's going to become a father of nations. He will exert faith like few that I've ever seen. Elijah got this. He wanted to bankrupt Elijah before he left. <laughs> Not only do I want your portion, I want a double. Elijah was smart. He said, if you see me being taken, God will give it to you. Bankrupt him in one room. My intention is, oh God, you've given me space, I'm going to make sure that in the time frame that you've allotted to me, I'll try and finish what you have so that I'll get the next room. And every room has new things for you. As a church, we need to think the same way. What do you think um, uh, Moses was doing? Bankrupted God on Mount Sinai. Okay, sure, you've given me favor. I've gotten all that. Now I want to see your glory. God shows him his glory. Tons of people did that. Ruth, she's a blooming pagan. 
refuses to go and start a new family. Naomi is saying to her, Naomi is blessing her. Those days, blessings were huge. I bless you. May you have a family. May you have children. Orpah leaves. This woman won't. She bankrupts Naomi. She bankrupts Boaz. And when you bankrupt God, you produce the very things that God wants to produce. Hello? Just hear that. When you bankrupt God, as in when you take from him everything that he has in this space, all you're doing is not making him poor. You're making him richer because now that you've taken everything here, he will produce what he wants to in the next room. You cannot go into the next room till you've taken everything from him here. And now that you've taken everything, now that Ruth has taken the blessing, now that Ruth has taken Naomi's um, <laughs> family line onto herself, now that Naomi's married Boaz, now that Naomi has Boaz's um, uh, land, Boaz's name, because he married someone he was not supposed to marry. He was a kinsman redeemer. Everything he has now belongs to Ruth and her children, not to Boaz anymore. Now that she's taken that, she steps into the next phase. And what's the next phase? She becomes a great, great grandmother of Jesus. Potency increases when you bankrupt God in the place he's placed you right now. And he does that deliberately and is willing to be bankrupted. Why? So that he can produce what he wants in the next place. So if Miguel and his family bankrupt God in the first few months here, they'll be set up for South America. If Jeevan bankrupts God in this new phase that is starting in his life, we will all benefit. If he continues as Jeevan, all we'll get is the same old Jeevan. And the same old Jeevan is still a really good deal. If Liddy and Jaya look at this new house as another house, all they'll have is a house. Big deal. One day I'll stand here and tell you what this looked like in New York. The risks I have had to take. I'm scared to say it now because it'll sound preposterous. But a few months down the line when I tell you, it'll be crazy. Bring uh, things that will keep your eyeballs attached to their eyes, because huh? they might pop up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Very odd Sunday, Abba. Wasn't exactly how we planned it to be. The other thing, problem we run into is, Father, we really want to have communion, but then it's such a rush in the end. It's already one eleven. So I'm kind of sorry for skipping it again, because we're supposed to do it as often as we should, but then... It'll run into the Chinese church coming in to set up stuff too, Father. So I hope you understand. Um, soon we can go on longer from December onwards. And the church said, Amen. 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 Yeah. So, Father, this thing that I've taught right now, I know it's from you. I need to learn it. We need to learn it. I pray that some of these things will go down and we'll begin to marinate it, think about it. Mm. So, how to end this now, Father?
Father, I hear you saying, name the room you are in. And so that's one of the things we'd like to do. What, if, if I could give a title to the new space that you are giving me, if each of us could say that for ourselves and for the church, name the room you are in. We'd like to do that right now. Name the new room that God is leading you into. Might be a clumsy name, we're not calling it out. Might be a phrase. Father, I want to call what you're doing in my life. Yeah, I'm just sharing it so that people know how to go about doing this. I'm calling what you're doing in my life, taking nations through powerful cities. Taking nations, or not even taking, fathering nations through powerful cities. That's what I'm going to call this new room, fathering nations through powerful cities. That's what you want. Me to do that's what you want us as a church to begin to think about fathering nations through powerful cities. So could you help us name the new places you're leading in us into individually? Just one more minute, Abba. So now the only other thing you want us to do is go and, Jacob, if that's what you phrase your new room as, go over the points that you've written down when you go home this week and see how it fits. If you do that, you will become aware of my favor. So now it's up to me, Abba. I'll look at the notes and work on it.